0: Revelation 11, starting in verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquake, and heavy hail. Chapter 12, verse 1. And a sign, a great sign, appeared in heaven a woman, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems, crowns. His tail swept down a Third of the stars in heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael, the archangel, and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, who was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him. But the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their life even unto death. Verse twelve. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Verse 16. But the earth came to help the woman. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Chapter 13, verse 1. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And to it, the dragon, that serpent, gave his power and his throne and great authority. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? Verse 7. Also, it it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And finally, verse 11 Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth, and it had two horns, like a lamb. And it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. And verse 14 by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Help us. I pray that you would take these words, your words, and just as you inspired John the seer, the one who penned these words according to the the vision that you gave him, I pray that you would speak to us. That these wouldn't be... uh, just dusty words on a page, but oh, these would be your words from your heart. Won't you help us this morning? Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are soft and open to whatever you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was at Ecclesia. Um, it's what we call our small groups, at Gray City uh, last week, earlier this week, and someone asked me, Simon, why are you always uh, going on about uh, warrior this, warrior that? Um, occasionally, if if we ever uh, I don't know have a conversation or exchange email messages, I might address you as warrior, and some people just think that's like kind of funny. Like when you like warrior like barbarian. Like what do we? why are you on this warrior trip all the time this is why Um, and not just revelation but all throughout scripture uh, there's pictures instances descriptions of battles conflict cosmic war and often God's people are referred to as uh, conquerors, mighty in the strength of Jesus. Uh, God seems to refer to us as his warrior children, that just as Jesus is our warrior king who conquered sin and death, we in Jesus, as God's children, walking in the wake of his victory, are also called to overcome and to conquer. In fact, that's where the book of Revelation starts, If you recall, as we were working through the seven letters, each one of those seven churches that Jesus was addressing were called to conquer. That's what we're called to do. As we're living in this life, this wonderful, beautiful world that God created and called good, and and yet is full of conflict and pain and seems to be utterly and thoroughly marred by the effects of sin... We are called to conquer. So you feel like a warrior this morning? Feeling strong? I remember when I first got saved, I was part of a church that just had way too much machismo going on. And it was always strong, champ, strong, mighty, mighty, like this sort of talk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the 90s were great. Late 90s. Early 90s. Um, And of course, after a while, it can become like trite and silly. But when I read the scriptures, I can't get away from it. I'm constantly reminded that there is something of a cosmic battle that seems to have started a long time ago. And somehow, as I follow Jesus, I am being equipped to engage in this battle. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Why warrior? Because when you put your faith in Jesus, if you if you do do that, um, in that moment, not only do you receive a new family, not only do you become the family member, a family member of God, you also get a new foe. In fact, I was telling someone else recently that one of the first things. Um, I always try to emphasize to a new brother or sister in Christ. Um, occasionally, I get the incredible honor of getting to like introduce someone to Jesus, tell them about Jesus, go on that journey with them, and then eventually, sometimes, like get to pray with them. It's like this really amazing moment. And uh, one of the first things I always say to a brand new brother or sister in Christ in that moment is welcome to the family. And I, I, I have to tell you, um, you have a new enemy now. I don't mean to, to kill the moment, but you gotta know. You've got to know. You have a new family and you have a new foe. Uh, for example, let me give you a few references. These are some of, um, some of my favorite verses. First Peter chapter 5. Verse six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's family. You get a new heavenly father. God becomes your dad. He looks after you. He protects you. He he loves you. You can cast all of your worries on him. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is kind of a famous one, if you've been around the Bible. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This all started, this idea of a cosmic battle, started all the way back in the beginning, Genesis. Um, You might recall the story of Cain and Abel. Remember those brothers? If you ever went to Sunday school? Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were deceived by the serpent. And everything went terribly wrong. And God explained to them explicitly what was now going to happen because they chose to trust themselves instead of him, God. He said that death would be the result. And God cursed the serpent. God cursed the ground. And he proceeded to explain to the man and the woman, Th- things are going to go terribly bad for you now. But, but... I'm sending one to rescue you. In fact, woman, one will come from your womb, a male child, who will in fact crush the head of the serpent with the heel of his foot. The gospel promised right there in Genesis 3. But you know what happens next? Adam and Eve, the man and the woman of the garden, they have two sons, Cain and Abel. And the very first time sin is ever mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, where God speaks to Cain and he says, Young man, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is against you, you must rule over it. And you know what happens in the very next verse? He murders his brother Abel. Bad move death ensued sin the scriptures actually personify sin sin is crouching at the door its desire is against you but you must rule over it you must take dominion you must overcome you must conquer this thing And of course he fails, which says something about human nature and why God himself saw fit to send his own son to do the deed for us and crush the head of the serpent, thus making a way for us to overcome sin and the devil and to win the battle as we walk in the wake of his victory in Jesus. But this battle, this is is from Genesis to Revelation. Crouching at the door what do you think about this why should we think about this now in a second we'll come back to revelation because I think there's, there's something going on there's a lot going on there that is going to help us to understand the nature of this battle spiritual warfare if you will um, in a way that hopefully will keep us from just getting like weird about it you guys know what I'm talking about some of you are already feeling uneasy about this subject in general because you're like, oh gosh. And I don't know, maybe you're not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just sensitive to the fact that like what we just read is in itself slightly out there. And we're talking about dragons and beasts and this is far out. Why even talk about any of this? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things number 1 because the enemy the serpent the devil satan i don't care what you want to call it i prefer not even to give it a name it's too dignified the serpent is actively seeking to kill you steal from you ultimately destroy you okay it's it's not like, you can just be like, hey, let's call a truce. You know, I'll, I'll just kind of do my Jesus thing. But, like, I won't make too much trouble if you just kind of leave me alone. No, th- this enemy is actively seeking to either abuse you, use you, or just somehow ultimately take your life away. Um, particularly if you are actively following Jesus. Number two, this is important to think about because the enemy has captives. So typically, we, we, we think like Western individuals because we're Western individuals, um, which is fine, but in a lot of instances, it doesn't help us because we, we're constantly just thinking about like me, my life, my world, my marriage, my money, my health. And that's great because you're, you're, you're important and we love you as an individual But this enemy has captives. There's people still living in darkness, people living in bondage, people living in lies, people that God loves, that perhaps even you and I actually love, uh, I hope, that are captives in a kingdom of darkness. And so this fight isn't just for me and my happiness or my life, there's other lives and generations and, and a whole world that's at stake. This war is for keeps and it involves the entire human race. And so the call to fight, to be a warrior in Christ, isn't just for your own personal happiness. It's, it's for everyone. And um, I don't know if this is a point per se, but uh, I'd also say that it's important to talk about because there is no Switzerland in the heavenly places. Mm-hmm. Switzerland being the place where it's like if you want to go and be like politically immune or uninvolved or neutral, this is the place where you go apparently. Um, is that true? Any, any, anyone from Switzerland in here? That's what they say. Expensive, Expensive. Okay. When you're talking about the battle spiritual warfare again, there's no neutral territory. There's only two kingdoms and a battle that's raging on and a call to follow one king or trust another. Satan elsewhere is referred to as the king of this world. When the man and the woman made the terrible decision to trust themselves instead of their good maker and become their own arbiters of of morality and and life and and rebel, Uh, it it started a a cataclysmic chain reaction of events and, and consequences. And because the man and woman relinquished their right, their rightful authority, To co-rule with their maker over this created realm. Because that's what God did, right? He put them in the garden. He says, now I want you to continue the work that I've started. I want you to name the animals. I want you to take dominion. I want you to, to oversee my creation project here. I'm giving you authority to do that. I'm delegating it to you. But in that moment, the man and the woman decided to relinquish their authority when they trusted themselves instead of God. In that moment, the serpent made his move. And since then, he's been known as the prince, the power of the air, the king of this fallen, broken world. He rules the kingdom of darkness, which is why Jesus came to tear that kingdom down to disarm demonic rulers and authorities and win a cosmic victory that we are now working out. And there is no Switzerland in the heavenly realms. There's only two kingdoms and they're at war. What do you think about that? So what about Revelation? Revelation twelve, twelve, I think is a good place to, to zoom in on. It says, Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Why? Well, because we've just read a war arose in heaven, the angels went to battle against the dragon, the serpent, Satan, and they won. They slayed the dragon and he was cast down to earth. The victory was won in heaven. Rejoice. But then it says, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because it knows that its time is short. So the victory's been won in some sort of heavenly realm, wherever that is or however that is, in this other invisible reality that exists alongside of this material reality as we feel and experience it ourselves. That victory's been won, but the consequence is that the serpent was cast down to earth where it's been ruling. Woe to us who are living here with it. And so, although there's been a cosmic victory in the spiritual realm, it's still working itself out on earth. It's almost as like time doesn't exist in heaven. And although the victory has been won, the serpent has been crushed. That happened when Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross. He crushed the head of the serpent. The serpent bit his heel, which is why he died, and yet his death was vanquished because he conquered death, coming back to life. So victory secured. And all of heaven rejoices. They break out in a cheer. Yet that reality, that victory is still working itself out in an earthly fashion, on a finite time scale. So there's this wonderful, difficult paradox that we're finding right here in Revelation 12, 12. Rejoice, O heaven, the serpent has been defeated, but woe to you, earth and sea, because the enemy has been thrown down what can we say about the um all these characters by the way these are the seven agents if you recall a few weeks ago we were looking at the the overall structure of revelation and how it's constantly building around these numeric patterns And the sevens was an obvious number that kept featuring. We're in the part of the book now where we're looking at the seven agents. They are the, um, well, the angel blows the seventh trumpet. And then you see uh, this picture of heaven. And you see God's temple open. And inside the temple is the ark of God's covenant. That is a picture of God reigning in heaven. God's presence is now securely fixed within his temple. The temple is always a symbol of God's like command headquarters. When God is in his temple, he is like at the helm. He is ruling heaven and earth. And so when John peers into the heavenly temple and he sees the ark of God's covenant in place, that's a symbolic way of saying God's rule is firmly and eternally established in heaven. What happens next? We're introduced to a woman, a great sign in heaven. This is all happening in heaven. A great sign in heaven appeared and it was a woman. Who's the woman? This is an Isaiah 66 reference. It talks about a woman giving birth. As always, there's some debate about who the woman is. It's not the Virgin Mary. When I used to read Revelation, I'm like, well, this clearly is like Mary and Jesus, right? No, no, I don't think so. It kind of seems so, but no, not in the context. People either say that the woman is Jesus So if you ever listen to the Bible Project, Tim Mackey would say that the woman represents Jesus. Um, Other commentators would say, well, if we're going to go off of Isaiah 66, then it would seem the woman is actually Jerusalem, or in a Christian context, the Jerusalem church. So the church that Jesus himself birthed on the day of Pentecost, which is now causing the gospel to spread. So it began in Jerusalem, and now churches are being propagated around the known world. It doesn't really matter whether it's Jesus himself or the church that he birthed in Jerusalem, but this is the woman. And the male child, as he says later explicitly... These are the ones who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. It's the followers of Jesus. It's the converts. It's those who come to faith in Jesus. So this woman is Jesus, and the male child are all of God's children who are being birthed out of his church, the original church as it was birthed in the first century on the day of Pentecost. And of course, the dragon is Satan, hell-bent on aborting the children of God. And then war breaks out once again in heaven. So all of this is playing out on a a cosmic stage. Jesus' victory. The temple is open. The Ark of Covenant is in its place. The, The serpent tries to attack the church. It wants to kill the church's offspring. The church is protected A war breaks out. The serpent is slain and cast down. And now it's somehow playing itself out in real time. In a physical sense on planet earth. Are you guys with me? You're like, okay, fine. What's the point? And then we see the beasts. So the serpent, which is Satan has now been cast down. Okay, now we're no longer in heaven. Now we're looking at how this is actually playing out in earthly sense. Such as that John is standing on the shore and he sees a beast come up out of the sea. Usually a sea represents chaos in scripture. So the chaos monster comes out of the sea and it's the first beast and the serpent gives all of his authority. He even gives his throne to the beast. And the beast is this awesome Powerful figure that begins to conquer and rule the nations, and everyone is impressed. And it says they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? It's the superpower. What? Shh. It's my wife. And then we see another beast, the second beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises authority, all the authority of the first beast. And it says, by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives all those who dwell on earth. Okay, here's what we're looking at, guys. Um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Bible says a lot about uh, Trinity. All right? That God is one who exists in three persons Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is Satan, the one who Satan gives his throne to and all authority, and then the other beast who basically is like the, the if the first beast is the chaos monster, the second beast is like the propaganda machine. Its role is to point points everyone's attention to the first beast, to be the influencer, to be the deceiver, to see the first beast lifted up and glorified. This is the unholy trinity. Satan, beast one, and beast two. Are you following me? Theologically, it's pretty obvious what John is, was wanting us to see What God is wanting us to see. That as always, as always, Satan is mimicking God's goodness. That's always been his MO from the very beginning. Whatever God does, Satan tries to steal, pervert, and re-offer as a counterfeit. This is the unholy trinity. So why why is any of this important? Because the thing that I would want to emphasize is that when it comes to this battle that we're somehow engaging in, we have a new family, we have a new foe. And if you tried to follow Jesus for like more than one day, you probably felt some kind of resistance. Like, why is this not easier? Why is this like the hardest thing I've ever stinking tried to do in my life? It's as if there's this like invisible, malicious, force working against me trying to destroy my life maybe it would just be easier if i just didn't take this jesus stuff so seriously maybe that so you you've probably felt that if you've ever tried following jesus what's happening is that there was this cosmic battle that took place the enemy was dece- defeated and cast down but now as earth dwellers we're working out we're appropriating the victory of our king on earth in a very real way in real time. And so we're living in this tension. We're walking out some sort of a paradoxical reality of that we are seated with our victorious king in heaven. We are victors in Christ Jesus, and yet at the same time, we're working out that salvation. We're having to engage and fight a good fight and run to win, and it's the hardest thing we ever have tried doing. I love what Johnny Cash says about following Jesus. You got to be tough these days to actually live a good life. He was talking about his relationship with the Lord. And this is this is the paradox of the battle that in Jesus the war has been won. I'm seated in heavenly places with the king who dethroned the king of darkness the one who wants to kill me and my family steal my identity make me believe lies and Jesus says to the church who conquers to him or who him or her who conquers i will fulfill my promise he calls us to arise, to pick up our weapons. Elsewhere, the Bible talks about we've been given uh, spiritual weapons. I read from Ephesians that we're to put on the armor of God. I mean, it's all over the place, this idea that Jesus hasn't just saved me to kick back and drink my ties and chill on the sand, but to actually like, become like Christ And to follow my king into battle, not in fear, not wondering, like, gosh, how's it going to work out? Like, what's going to happen? We know what's going to happen. Because we know what happened. And we pick up the weapons of our warfare and fight the good fight, engage in the battle, the battle that's already been won in the heavenly places. The fight becomes more like an adventure than this, like, difficult lot in life that I've been assigned. You guys ever been in a fight? I have not. And I'm not condoning it either. <laughs> Did you have a question, Raya? No. Okay. <laughs> I was the little kid um, who the bullies could just just pick out in a crowd I'll never forget my uh, my childhood bully, Brian Trujillo. <laughs> Brian, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm still working through forgiveness. He was such a jerk. <laughs> Somehow he picked me out. I was a very timid little boy. In a lot of ways, I, st- I still am. I have, I have a very sort of, a I don't know, soft kind of demeanor. I don't, I'm not a fighter. I don't, I don't like watching fights. Um, Brian Trujillo he used to just come and push me around and I remember one time even in class this was like in 8th grade or something he literally came up to me in the middle of the classroom and kept pushing me back in my seat it was terrible it was terrible I was bullied Um, later on he started smoking dope and growing out his hair he became a super chilled guy after that (laughs) I also don't condone that So, when I became a Christian when Jesus got a hold of me I realized that there was a fight that Jesus was inviting me to engage in that wasn't scary it wasn't like oh goodness if only it could be over it's actually part of the life that God has saved us for. And this this time, this in-between time, this interlude, if you will, we get to fight and we get to win. And it's intense and it's hard and at times you want to quit, which is why we come here. It's important that we leave our sword at the door when we come in to the house of God. Because how many of you know that sometimes you can go to the other extreme and you can get obsessed with fighting you can bring your sword into the family meeting and before you know it we're just devouring one another Just sword fights breaking out left and right fighting about all sorts of things judging each other looking down on each other not bearing with one another with patience and humility There's nothing worse than watching God's kids fight when we come here we leave our weapons at the door we figure out who needs to be uh, bandaged, who's been getting beat on by the devil, who's been like feeling the weight of the darkness, and we uh, we pray for each other. Out there, we're fighters; in here, we're healers. This is a hospital. Out there is the front line. And please hear me right. I, I'm not into this whole like us versus them kind of thing. This, this weird false dichotomy between like secular and sacred. That's, that's not biblical. And it's actually just really unhelpful. But generally speaking, this idea that as a child of God, there is a fight. And at times I need to fight. And I need to be reminded of the battle. And I need to be reminded, dude, armor up. Get your sword in your hand. Pick up your shield you're believing lies, you're being pounded by the enemy. Instead of fighting for your marriage, you're like battling your spouse. Instead of fighting for your church, you're judging it constantly. Instead of loving your neighbors that Jesus died for, you're looking down on them because they're not religious or pious enough. And we end up fighting the wrong fights, expending energy in all of the wrong ways instead of fighting the real fight, the fight that Jesus fought and won and saved us for. Because although we live in this world and we walk according to the flesh, i.e. we have bodies and we do physical things like eat and sleep and make babies and have fun, our fight is of a cosmic nature. Sorry about that last one there. If you're not in the baby-making season of life, just skip that. It's a human thing. Let's put it that way. But... When it comes to the fight, you are a warrior. You were born to fight. The enemy has his ways, but we have been given weapons. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but we're actually going to pause Revelation Um, We're going to pause it right here. And we're actually going to take another four weeks to unpack this text in a little bit more in greater detail. um, Because I want us as a church to be equipped for the battle. I want us to learn how to fight the good fight and stop fighting the wrong fight Um, I want us to learn how to wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want us to learn how to actually engage in spiritual warfare in a way that's biblical and helpful and not weird and off-putting, but in the way that Jesus has actually called us to. Um, We're gonna have a really, really exciting guest speaker next Sunday who's gonna start us on that journey. And we're gonna look very practically Okay, so what is, if if the enemy has certain schemes and tactics and ways of devouring God's children, how do we fight? You've said a lot about being a warrior, but what does that actually look like? Because I could definitely do with some of that. I'm I'm sick and tired of being lied to and feeling like my identity is just, my identity is being stripped down 24-7. Teach me. Show me how to fight. Let's get the gloves out. Let's hang up the bag and start to train so then when we move into our new little building, which, by the way, you want to talk about, like, kicking a hornet's nest. Have you ever kicked a hornet's nest? I did that one time. <laughs> Actually, I slid onto a hornet's nest. It was bad. It was bad. It swarmed. You know how in the cartoons, like, the swarm will chase the whatever? That happened to me. I was wearing a red Smashing Pumpkins t-shirt with a really bright fluorescent logo right here. And I I landed on a hornet's nest and it swarmed like this big blur of hornets formed in the air and just went straight. They must have thought it was a flower or something. They were just like, and just started stinging me like crazy. So I took my shirt off and just started running through the woods. (laughs) This is the worst. So... Okay, So we bought this building in this neighborhood, and guys, here's what we've just done in the spirit. We have just drop-kicked a hornet's nest in the spirit. Okay. Has, has anyone been feeling it? Has anyone been feeling it? Yeah, a couple of people. Some of you are like, nope, this is all really weird to me. I get that. I keep saying that because I'm very, very aware that for many of you in the room, it's like, this, this really is weird, all right? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, I get it, I get it. Can I appeal to you? Like, engage, engage. Because there's really something to this. There's really something to this. I want us to grow in this way. Can we stand together, please? We're gonna get started here. You're now listening to Grace City Portland.